You're listening to the Father's House Podcast. We're in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hope you guys enjoy. If you guys want more information, you can go to thefathershouseky.com. Good morning. So good to be here this morning, even though I haven't gotten much sleep with a newborn. Some of you can understand that feeling, Uh, but praise God we don't do things in our own strength. Amen? Amen. So uh, would you just do something with me this morning just to get our hearts ready to receive? Just put your hands out in front of you and say, Lord, whatever you have to say to me, I open my eyes. I open my ears, I open my heart, I open my mind to receive all that you have for me. And if it's not of you, I don't receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you that your word is alive, that it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword coming in and piercing between soul and spirit. So Lord, I thank you that your word goes forth, that I'm just a vessel and that you would use me to deliver the word that's on your heart this morning and not on my heart, but on your heart, Lord, that you've put it in me to receive and to deliver out in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you were here last week, Pastor Mike uh, spoke a great message. And um, give me just a second here. And he was talking about how the desperate places lead us to growth. And even in those moments of desperation, to not forget how good God is. Amen? And there's so much going on right now in the world that it's easy to look at what is not good and to get our focus off of what is good. And I asked the Lord that. I said, why is it so easy to focus on the bad when we know you're good? Why is it, Lord, that fear comes in and causes us to become paralyzed in certain times, in certain situations, when we know you're good? And I even had to ask myself that about four weeks ago. I became almost paralyzed in fear. And if you know me, that's not typical for me. And I said, Lord, why is it that your people, including me, can become so paralyzed with fear? And he said something so simple. He said, it's because they get their eyes off of me. Yeah, they get their eyes off of me and on the problem and on the situation, on the people and not on me. And I said, okay, so how do we fix that, Lord? And he said, you pray. I was like, oh, that's easy but it's easier said than done. And you might've walked into this room in fear, overwhelmed with something, overwhelmed with life, overwhelmed with sickness. So many people have been sick. It's so easy to look at all the negative that's going around. But today I'm gonna encourage you to get your eye off of what is going on around you and get your eye on what is in front of you. 
the author, the finisher of your faith. The one he says, look up your eyes to the hills for what's cometh my help, my help cometh from the Lord. And just to share a personal story, uh, we were in, I was in South Carolina, so I left four weeks ago and I went by myself because my husband had to stay behind for work. And I got there and got in my hotel room Sunday night and went to sleep. I was supposed to meet the birth mother the next morning. And I woke up and she was like, come by my house and pick me up. I didn't think a thing about it. My friend called me that morning. She's like, where, where are you meeting this birth mom? And she's like, I had a dream. She's like, maybe you should meet her in a public place. I was like, oh, I never thought about that. That's probably a good idea. And so I called her. I said, let's meet at the doctor's appointment at the office. And she said, okay. So I got to the office and we went to her appointment. And then she said, I want you to come back to my house to meet my husband. And I got to thinking about what my friend had said. And I, I began to allow fear to come in. I began to think like, what if I get there and he has a gun? What if I get there and their whole plan was to take me out? I mean, crazy thoughts. It's even embarrassing to release them out of my mouth right now. But I began to let the words, what if, determine my destiny. What if she wanted me just to go there to get to know them to get to see their kids and build relationship. But no, I let the enemy take me the whole different route. What if? So here I am driving behind her. She pulls into this church. And I'm like, why are we at a church behind the church? And we go down this dirt road. And I'm thinking, my life is taken. I'm going out. I began to say, okay, Lord, I thank you that my heart is right. Maybe I'll get them saved before I go out. I thank you, Lord, that you have a wife for my husband to raise my children. It was crazy. I began to think all of these thoughts and it just spiraling downhill until I hit rock bottom. And then we come up, up against this house and it's an old farmhouse and I look like I'm in a horror movie. I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, help me. I get out. I walk up to the door. The guy's as nice as sugar. He just wanted to get to know me. So sweet. And I thought, what in the world am I doing allowing fear to come in and paralyze me? Do you know what it means to be paralyzed? It says, paralyzed caused to become partly or wholly incapable of movement. It also means unable to think or act normally. I was doing that. I was unable to think or act normally, especially through panic or fear. Then it says also a definition to bring to a standstill by causing disruption and chaos. Do you know what the enemy wanted me to do? He wanted me to start this panic, this fear to alter the destiny of my child. Because this was just the beginning of what he wanted to do. So then take two. Can I just tell a little bit of story to help you all just kind of get there? I'm going to dive in. Uh, I, I can relate. I began to think about uh, Elijah and how he ran from Ahab and from Jezebel. And he said, just take my life. <laughs> That's how I felt. I'm going to go there with you and, and show you. But I knew God had been faithful all along. Why is it that we allow fear to come in and paralyze us in moments that are so small to God? What is it 
that you've been thinking what if in your life that's caused the enemy to have control over your destiny. I talked to my friend this week and I was telling her kind of what I was, I like to process a little bit what I was speaking on. And she said, you know, I met with this woman, this mother, and she let her kid go into the grocery store by themselves. And it took a while. And she began to think, well, what if someone took my kid? What if they got sick? They had a seizure. What if they got up to the cash register and they can't pay and they're just sitting there? You know, like our mind lets us go down this journey of thinking, forward thinking, to cause us to become paralyzed before we even say, wait. All I need to do is pray in this moment. But what if we said, what if she ran into a friend and is just having a conversation? What if she wanted to get cereal to buy with her milk and she couldn't figure out what cereal to buy, right? What if this family wants to connect with me? What if they want me to see their home to show me how special it is that I would come in and get to know them on a more personal level? Do you see that? What if you sending your kid to college, what if they got involved in a Christian organization instead of what if they go off and party for the rest of their life? See what happens? We can allow the enemy to take control or we can allow God to come in and to move. It's so true. So then I had a second opportunity. I feel like the Lord kind of said, it's all right, Faith. You know, like I could beat myself up again over and over and over again about the silliness of causing fear to come in. So that next Thursday, uh, that night, I knew the, that she was going to have the baby that night. I just knew it. The Lord told me she's going to have the baby that night. So she texts me at 10 o'clock and she says, I'm, I think that I'm going to have this baby tonight. I said, okay, what are your contractions like? She's like 15 minutes apart. I said, I'm coming and we're going to take you to the hospital. And her five kids are sleeping in the house. Her husband's at work. He doesn't get off till 11 o'clock. It's 1030. I show up and she's kind of panicking a little bit. And then her contractions get a little bit closer together. And her husband says, I'm on my way. Because somebody has to stay with the kids. I can't just take her to the hospital. He keeps saying, I'm on my way. And he's not on his way. Actually, he was trying to find a supervisor to get off work. He was in a 90-day period. He didn't want to lose his job. And he says, call 911. I'm like, okay. So her contractions get closer, four minutes apart. And I said, I think we should call 911. 911 on the phone. You need to go get a tennis shoe string because you might be delivering this baby to me. Meanwhile, three minutes before that, I said, Caitlin, can I pray? I think we need to usher in the peace of the Lord. And God was giving me another opportunity. He was saying, All right, you might have to home deliver this baby, but you need to not panic, Faith. You know what could have happened if I panicked? She, the birth mother, could have felt the panic in me and had a hard time pushing out the baby. We could have had an unhealthy baby. There was lots of repercussions to my fear. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, there's so many repercussions of your family, the people around you. If you're causing panic in your heart, it bleeds into other areas of your life. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants you to be controlled by fear. 
And so I'm on the phone with 911, and honestly, I can say, I, I just touched her. I said, Caitlin, I thank you, Lord, that your peace comes in. I thank you for a healthy delivery. I thank you that you're with Caitlin. And it was simple. It was just taking an opportunity to allow God to come in to move and have his way and shutting the voice of the enemy, the fear that I could have allowed to come into that room. So 911 said, you need to go get a shoestring. I said, what's a shoestring for? They're like, you might have to cut the umbilical cord. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm like, all right, I'll do this. They said, go get towels. So I get towels, EMTs on their way. One minute EMT shows up, this young guy, he's about 20. He's like, well, I never delivered a baby before. I was like, all right, Lord, I'll just say yes to what you want me to do. So we're there. She's laying on the kitchen floor. She's pushing. I'm there. I'm like, I don't see the crown of a baby if I know what I'm looking at. Ashley, I wish you were there with me. I was just like, I don't even know what to look for. But I'm sitting there and I'm holding her hand and I'm with her. And I'm allowing peace to be over my body, peace over my mind, peace over the situation. Six minutes later, contractions are, I feel like one second apart. 911 shows up. I'm like, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Six of them rush in, and in one minute, that baby is pushed out and delivered healthy and whole. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. It was such a beautiful moment, but I began to recognize that so many times in our lives that we go quick to fear when really we need to be quick to pray. Amen. Yeah. So today I'm going to go in first Kings and you know, a lot of times, even us, we've seen the faithfulness of God over and over and over again, and we still allow fear to come in. It's very normal to allow fear to come in. And I think about Elijah. Here we have him. I'm in 1 Kings, and I'm going to start in verse in chapter 16, verse 29. So here we have the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, I think I'm saying that right, became king over Israel. And he reigned over Israel and Samaria, it says, 22 years. And it says that he did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all kings that were before him. So we've got all people worshiping Baal, very evil time. And it says in verse 32, then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. And then it says, and Elijah chapter 17, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And he began to speak to Elijah. And Elijah was listening to the Lord. Meanwhile, everybody was being crazy and chaotic. And in verse 3, he says, the Lord says, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook which flows into the Jordan, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So what did he do? He went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and he stayed by the brook. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So there was the faithfulness of God, right? 
Elijah could have easily said all of the craziness that's going on, I can fear just like everybody else. I can step over into what the enemy wants to do. But no, he said, okay, I hear the voice of the Lord. I'm going to obey the Lord. And what did the Lord do? He provided for him. Then in verse nine, it says, or eight, it says, then the word of the Lord came to him again saying, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide to you. And this widow was like, I don't have a morsel of bread to give to you. In verse 13, and Elijah said to her, I'm sorry, let me go back up. And so she went in to get it. Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand, in verse 11. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Everybody say, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. And I'm sure she was thinking he was absolutely crazy. Because sometimes when the Lord asks us to do something, it's totally crazy. But it's because he's trying to get us something. In verse 14, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her household ate for many days. There was the faithfulness of God again, second time. And then in verse 17, Elijah goes to this widow's woman, the widow's home, Now it happened after these things that the son of a woman who owned the house became sick and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to bring me and my sin to remembrance and kill my son? And he said to her, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. And then he cried out to the Lord. He didn't fear He wasn't like, what do I do? He cried out to the Lord. He began to pray. He said, oh Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, oh Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived and Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room to the, into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, now by this, I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. So here three times, God was showing his faithfulness by a man of obedience by a man in communication with the Lord, by a man who said, I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to move on my behalf, and he did. Maybe you've seen God move in your life many times, but there comes a time in our life where something seems so much bigger than the things that God has brought us out of, when really nothing is too big for God. Nothing is too small for God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But why in moments do we allow the fear to paralyze us? So I want you to see what Elijah did. Take two, 
There were all these people worshiping Baal, 450 people, and then Asha, 400 people. So we've got 850 people. And Elijah just felt like he was all alone. And maybe you felt like that, like everybody else is out serving other gods and doing other things and leading a life of fear. And here I am trying to lead a life of faith. And how is this even done? He got so overwhelmed by all the evil that was being done, but he stuck to what the Lord was saying. And he kept in communication with the Lord. So he gathered all the people. I'm um, in chapter 18, verse 20. He gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and he said, how long will you falter between two opinions? I got to thinking about this. Like how long, why do we falter between two opinions? When we know the opinion, that's the truth. God is the way, the truth, and the life. He brings truth. He brings the way. He brings the life. But why do we alter in life? I believe it's because we get our eyes off of him and on the problem. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. So he instructed these people. He said, you go. You go get a bull, I'll get a bull, and we'll see who can put fire to it, pretty much. I'm going to sum it all up in that. You call upon your ball, your God, and see if he can bring, light and bring it, uh, put a fire on it. And they just were like worshiping. They even cut themselves back in the day to, to, to try to, you know, get, get their God to, to move so messed up they couldn't because he wasn't real he wasn't alive but there was no voice verse I'm sorry it says it two times in verse 26 it says but there was no voice no one answered in verse 29 but there was no voice no one answered no one paid attention the enemy He has no voice. He doesn't answer. He doesn't pay attention. He only wants your attention when you get weak to draw attention to him. Ooh, that's a good word. I didn't have that. That's the Lord. He wants his attention. He wants you to draw attention to him so that he can be glorified in your situation. When really, we need to draw attention to the one who's going to make the way possible for you. When you're in fear, when you're trembling, when you have anxiety, when there's pressure, you draw attention to the way maker. He's going to make the way for you. But if you draw attention to the enemy, you know what he's going to do? He's going to keep putting obstacle in your path to promote you to a place of destruction. That's what he wants. So then in verse 36, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you've turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell 
and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Where are we turning to allow those words? The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Do you know what Caitlin said to me? She said, I thought you were going to abandon me and leave me on the kitchen floor. Little did I know that people had not been there for her. And she was able to say, the Lord is God. The Lord is God. Look what God did. He protected my baby. He kept you there. I felt loved. In your situation that you've been panicking or you've been letting fear control and manipulate you, begin to allow God into those moments and say, God, I need you. God, I'm allowing you in. Please move. And you know what he does? He moves. And then you can say, the Lord is God. The Lord is God. Look what God has done. But if I allow fear to come in, I can't allow God to move like he wants to move and me to say, look what God has done. Look what God has done. But what's so crazy to me is Elijah, after the faithfulness of God and the move of God, 850 people on Mount Carmel, he's like telling them that they're not going the way of the Lord, that they're making wrong choices. He's standing up for God. He is pushing through. Think about that, how much fear I would have in front of 850 people to tell them that they're altering between two opinions. But he didn't. He stood up there. But then in chapter 19, it says, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Verse three, and when he saw that, he arose and he ran for his life. After all of the faithfulness of God. And I don't just think it's one, you know, I was telling Pastor Mike that, he's like, that's what one woman will do for you. But it wasn't just the woman. It was, I believe, it was the, all of the crap that was going on around him that he I believe it was all of the stuff that he saw. He was overwhelmed at all of the people living wrongly around him. He was like, God, are you there? Are you going to break through? And I, I believe sometimes that's what happens to us. Things build and keep building. Even though we've seen the faithfulness of God, things keep building and we feel this pressure and we just want to be like, just take my life. And maybe you felt that way. Can I just speak to you for a minute? That your life, there is so much destiny and purpose in your life. That taking your life is just giving the enemy this monument and trophy that he's won. When really, God loves you and he has so much for you. And he is saying that he loves you 
and he has so much for you. And I'm going to say it one more time, that he loves you and he has so much for you and that taking your life is not a way to go out. It's not. But if you felt all this pressure, like sicknesses hit your house, what if my whole family gets it and then we're sick for days? What if we have to go to the hospital? See how the enemy wants you to get to be what ifs? What if I ask the Lord to come in and Lord, I thank you that you touch our bodies. I thank you for strength in my home. I thank you, Lord, that there's healing in my home. And tomorrow you wake up healthy and whole. What if that, devil? You know, I think we've got to take our authority instead of forward thinking what the enemy would think, we forward think what God would say. And we focus on the problem and we don't focus on, we don't focus on the problem, but we focus on the solution. And where is the solution? It is the promise of God. It is his promises that are yes and amen. And honestly, when we fear, it's an opportunity for God to move. So fear comes because fear does come. And it's an opportunity to allow God a place and a space in our lives to have his way. The Lord is God. The Lord is God. I want to be that person to say that. And I am, even though I messed up. And you might have allowed fear to come in in so many areas of your life. Guess what? That was yesterday. Guess what? You don't have to feel ashamed of that. I'm up here to say, I don't feel ashamed of my fear, thinking I was going to get my life taken out by these people down a dirt road. (laughs) Whatever, it's in the past, and I'm moving on. I'm maturing in faith and trust, seeing the faithfulness of God and me almost experiencing having to do a home birth and seeing how God was faithful to me, it actually gave me an opportunity to grow in my trust to the Lord and say, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. Where are you in your life? What is it that you can pinpoint this morning where you can say, I've been like Elijah and I've wanted to run, or maybe you have run from the Lord, or maybe you've allowed fear to come in and your mind is going crazy on the what ifs, on the negative side. So think about that thing that's been torturing you. Because man, the devil, he wants to torture you in your mind. Because if he can get it up here, he can get it in here. Think about that thing. And when you've got that thing, I want you to think about the other what if. Maybe you've been let go from your job. You've been told you have 90 days. What if God is making a way for you to have a job that's double the income of what you've had in the past? What if... Your son or your daughter is not serving the Lord. What if God puts a laborer in their path, somebody that's equipped to lead them to the Lord? 
Do y'all see that this is the way God is wanting us to get our focus on him, to look to him and begin to give him space, open up our hearts and our minds to give him space, open up our lives to say, Lord, have your way. And it's so simple. Like we don't have to have, you don't have to have this drawn out hour prayer, okay? Did you see, I just touched Caitlin and I said, Lord, I thank you for peace. I thank you for a healthy baby. I thank you that you're going to teach me what to do right now and have your way in Jesus' name. It's that simple. But we overcomplicate it and we think we have to have it like this way, this way, this way. Nope, God's just saying, just welcome me in and let me have space. Just let me have space. And Elijah was encouraged later on. I don't know where it is. It's in verse 19, but he was encouraged and he realized there were 7,000 people that weren't worshiping Baal. And he was like, I'm I'm sure he was thinking like, man, why, why did I even go there? Why did I even think like to take my life? That was ridiculous. It's okay. We can all feel ridiculous sometimes, but God's just saying, all right, let's go. Let's get started again. Let's move forward in faith. Let's move forward in trusting me. Let's move forward. The worship team can come. God's been faithful to you. He has. Each one of you have a story to tell. Each one of you have something that you can say God's been faithful to you. So this morning, I want you to think about the times that God has been faithful to you. Let's dwell on those things this morning. God, I thank you that you provided for me. When I lost my grandpa, he left a life insurance policy for me, and I was eating pea soup in New York City with my girlfriend, and we were three months behind on rent. God, I thank you that you've been faithful to me in my finances. God, I thank you that when I moved to Owensboro, that I thought I was moving here for ministry, but I met my husband the day I moved here, and you had a godly man for me. Do you see? God has been faithful over and over and over again, and so many times the enemy wants us to feel Like we need to dwell on this negative thing that's happening right here in this moment. And God is saying, nope, get your eyes off that. Get your eyes on me. So think about what has God been faithful to you? Will you stand with me this morning? Are you encouraged this morning? Are you encouraged that the Lord is saying, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. He wants that to be the testimony of your life. But what is it that you need to let go of in your mind, in your heart, something that's been said to you over your life that's caused you to fear? What is that? That's for somebody this morning. That's from the Lord. What is it that the Lord has, somebody has said over your life that's caused you to fear? Do you have something? Will you just raise your hand if they're that person this morning? Somebody that said something over your life that has caused you to have panic, that has caused you anxiety. I see hands all over the place. Can you say this with me? I let that thing go. I give it to you, Lord. No longer will the enemy have place over my mind in this thing. This thing that's been said, it's void. 
in the name of Jesus. And I welcome you, Lord, into that space to tell me what your promise is about that thing. God, I just thank you. Will you just close your eyes for a second in the room this morning? If you wanted to take your life this morning, I want to pray for you. All heads bowed, every eye closed. This is an intimate moment. I just want to believe God with you. If that's you, will you raise your hand? Anybody in the room? I just really hear the Lord on this right now. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you've wanted to give up, toss in the towel. If that's you, raise your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. You can put those hands down. God, I thank you that you want life for your people, abundant life. I just speak and declare and prophesy abundant life over their lives. Lord, I thank you that they no longer look to the right or to the left, but they begin to get their eyes set upon you, to focus their attention on you. God, that you are making a way where there seems to be no way, that you are the way maker, the promise keeper, that you are destining you have destiny and promise for them for their life, God. And they begin to walk in it today. They begin to walk in it today. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for your purpose and your plan that we won't allow fear to come in and alter your plan. Your plan's not altered anymore by the fear that the enemy has placed in our life. But we turn to the what if. What if God can move and have his way? What if God can take me out of the pit and take me and put my feet and set my feet upon a rock that will not be moved? What if God will come and bring you the finances to start the business that you've wanted? What if begin to think that way. What if, Lord, you could move on my family to get saved? What if? I believe it, Lord. We press in today, Lord, to say, have your way and move. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm going to read this last scripture. Second Chronicles 20, verse 9, it says, Whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, or whatever it is, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us, and you will rescue us. I thank you, Lord for saving your people, rescuing us out of the pit of despair, rescuing us out of fear, and firmly planting our feet back in faith to trust you, Lord, today. In Jesus' name, if our prayer team will come down. If you have a need, any need, whatever you have need of, whether it's financial need, if you need healing in your body, if you just need God's direction on a certain area of your life, we have a prayer team that would partner with you and believe God with you, that they would pray with you and give you encouragement. If you need that today, they are down here at the altar. You may come down. Can I just pray a blessing over you guys? Father, I thank you for protecting our house. 
Thank you that no sickness shall come. I thank you, Lord, that we abide under the shadow of the Almighty God, that you are our fortress and our hiding place, our shelter to help us in the time of need. So, Lord, whatever they have need of, God, I thank you that this week that they won't operate from fear, but they'll operate from faith, that you will meet them right where they are and speak to them. And I thank you, Lord, that the voice of the Lord is stronger than the voice of a stranger. The voice of a stranger they will not follow, but they'll follow your voice. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you that you're drawing your people closer you're opening up space in their life to move you're creating space in their mind in their eyes in their ears to hear and to see what it is you're saying and what it is you're doing in Jesus name amen you guys have a great Sunday thank you for coming to worship with us today be blessed in Jesus name